We're reading from Shima Bhagavatam, Canto 8, Chapter 8, Verse 8 and 9. Tataschcha virabhutsaksha chivama bhagavapara rajayantirishakantya vidyut saudamani atta. Then there appeared the goddess of fortune, Rama, who is absolutely dedicated to being enjoyed by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. She appeared like electricity, surpassing the lightning that might illuminate a marble mountain. She means opulence. Krishna is the owner of all opulences. This peace formula for the world is given in Bhagavad Gita. When people know Supreme Lord Krishna is Supreme Enjoyer, Supreme Proprietor, and most intimate, well-wishing friend of all living entities, peace and prosperity will ensue all over the world. Unfortunately, the conditioned souls being placed into illusion by the external energy of the Lord want to fight with one another, and therefore peace is disturbed. The first prerequisite for peace is that all the wealth presented by Sri Goddess of Fortune be offered to Supreme Personality of Godhead. Everyone should give up his false proprietorship over worldly possessions and offer everything to Krishna. This is the teaching of the Krishna Conscious Movement. Dasyam chakrus biham sarve sasura suramanavaha rupal daryavayovarna mahima kship tachetasa. Because of her exquisite beauty, her bodily features, her youth, her complexion, and her glories, everyone, including the demigods, demons, and human beings, desired her. They were attracted because she is the source of all opulences. Purport, who in this world does not want to possess wealth, beauty, and social respectability that come from these opulences? People generally desire material enjoyment, material opulence, and association of aristocratic family members, Bolgaishoya Prasaktanam. Material enjoyment entails money, beauty, and the reputation they bring, which can all be achieved by the mercy of Goddess of Fortune. The Goddess of Fortune, however, never remains alone. As indicated in the previous verse by the word Bhagavad Para, she is the property of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and is enjoyable only by Him. If one wants the favor of Goddess of Fortune, Mother Lakshmi, because she is by nature Bhagavad Para, one must keep her with Narayan. The devotees who always engage in service of Narayana, Narayana Parayana, can easily achieve the favor of Goddess of Fortune without a doubt. But materialists who try to get the favor of Goddess of Fortune only to possess her for personal enjoyment are frustrated. Theirs is not a good policy. The celebrated demon Ravana, for example, wanted to deprive Ramchandra of Lakshmi, Sita, and thus be victorious. But the result was just the opposite. Sita, of course, was taken by force by Lord Ramchandra, and Ravana and his entire material empire were vanquished. The goddess of fortune is desirable for everyone, including human beings, but one should understand the goddess of fortune is the exclusive property of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. One cannot achieve the mercy of the goddess of fortune unless one prays both to her and to the Supreme Enjoyer Personality of Godhead. Mukam karoti vachalam vangam langate kirim yaki pantam bande shi gurum O Magyana Timirandasya Gyananjara Shakaya Chakshumiritam Yenata Samai Shri Gurave Namaha So, um, there is something here to learn, about, a lot to learn actually, about Lakshmi. The first thing is that her number is eight. She appears in Bhag Shima Bhagavatam, Canto 8, Chapter 8, 
verse 8. And uh, we will, so we're going to be discussing Lakshmi here and how she uh, is very elusive for the materialists and then uh, also how she can be achieved, how devotees see Lakshmi and use her in Krishna's service. And the second part of the class will be about how Lakshmi may disappear from us uh, by the mercy of Krishna. <laughs> and that is in 10th Canto, chapter 88, verse 8. So these are, her, these are Lakshmi's verses. Um, so we, we understand when we're young, we use our health to get wealth, to get money, to get Lakshmi. And when you get old, we use our wealth to get health. <laughs> the health goes away, and we, we need our, our money for that. And we neglect our, our real self-interest. Um, uh, Kunti, she prayed, Jamai Shraya Shutta Shibir Edamana Madapuman Naivrahat Avidatum Vaitam Akinchina Gocharam. My Lord, your Lordship can be easily approached, but only by those who are materially exhausted. Because one who is on the path of material progress, trying to improve himself with respectable parentage, great opulence, high education, and bodily beauty, cannot address you with sincere feeling. So we have an example in our movement of Ambarish. He's born great-grandson of Henry Ford and uh, because he has uh, come in contact with the devotees in Srila Prabhupada, he is using his, his vast Lakshmi for the service of Krishna, building Mayapur temple. He's using Lakshmi without attachment. Um, and not only is he using his Lakshmi He's, but he's such a rich, he's coming from such a wealthy family, he's going to beg temple to temple for others to also give Lakshmi. So it's quite amazing that such a, a rich, rich person is also begging for the service of Krishna. But that's, that, that, that's how the devotees, the devotees see, see Lakshmi. Um, of course, um, the materialistic people, on the other hand, they tried to get Lakshmi. Um, there was um, this lottery. One 16-year-old won $3 million, so she spent $700,000 for designer clothes, then drugs, partying, expensive cars, and it was all finished in six years. And her realization was, I honestly wish I'd never won this lottery money. And knowing what I know now, I should have just given it all back to them. Prabhupada tells a story of a man who won the lottery, and when he got the news, he got a heart attack and dropped dead. So, <laughs> Lakshmi is having the opposite effect, because, as Prabhupada said in this purport, people are taking Sita from Ram. We must offer Sita to Ram. Lakshmi is the property of, of Krishna, of Narayan. There is a verse in 6th Canto, 19th chapter, verse 13. Mother Lakshmi, who is here, is the reservoir of all spiritual qualities, whereas you, Narayan, manifest and enjoy all these qualities. Indeed, you are actually the enjoyer of everything. You live a supersoul of all living entities, and the goddess of fortune is the form of their bodies, senses, and minds. She also has a holy name and form, whereas you are the support of all such names and forms, and the cause for 
their manifestation. So this verse says that our body, our senses, and our mind are all expansions of Lakshmi. So what must, what must we do with our body, senses, and mind? We must use them in Krishna's service. So did you know, I mean, even if you have no money, you still have your body, senses, and mind, and that's an expansion of Lakshmi. And if you don't use it for Krishna, it will be a cause of distress. On the lotus feet of Radharani, there is a mark of a sacrificial altar. And that means that if um, this whole universe is the form of Krishna, and the offering is the form of Radharani, so when you offer something to Krishna, then you're bringing Radha and Krishna together on the altar of sacrifice. So now if we look in um, Canto 1, chapter 17, verse 24, it says, Tapa shokcham dayasatyam itiparakite kritaha atarmam shastrayopakna smayasangamadaistava In the age of Satya, your four legs were established by the four principles of austerity, cleanliness, mercy, and truthfulness. But it appears three of your legs are broken due to rampant irreligion in the form of pride, lust for women, and intoxication. So Prophet says a very interesting thing. He says, modern civilization and economic development are creating a new situation of poverty and scarcity with the result of blackmailing the consumer's commodities. If the leaders and rich men of society spend 50% of their accumulated wealth mercifully for the misled mass of people and educate them in God consciousness, the knowledge of Bhagavatam, certainly the age of Kali will be defeated in its attempt to entrap the conditioned souls. So Prabhupada's criticizing the governments for uh, blackmailing our, our necessities of life. Uh, and we can see that now people are becoming more and more uh, poverty-stricken, more homeless, more people in food stamps. So this is this is the situation now, and, and it will become worse as Kali progresses. So Kali was given four places to live, but in Pariksha's kingdom, these four places were not available. So, and that's the slaughterhouses, the liquor uh, bars, and uh, the where uh, the brothels where there's illicit sex and the gambling places. So. He begged for one more place to live, and that was given to him, and that was in gold. So if you accumulate wealth and don't use it for Krishna, Kali will live there. It would be a cause of suffering. So there is a formula given by our Grihasta vision team for peaceful Krishna conscious Grihasta life. Prosperity consciousness means you have your proper livelihood, plus your sadhana, plus charity. You give something in charity, give a percentage. Poverty consciousness is proper livelihood minus your sadhana and minus charity. So that is poverty consciousness. We don't want to live like that. Now in the third canto, 12th chapter, the four principles that we discussed uh, uh, the four legs of religion. Uh, the, uh, where was that? Let's see. Oh, yeah. That is Shokchang, cleanliness, tapa, austerity, daya, mercifulness, and satya, truthfulness. 
So they are also here in third canto, but they are described in a different way. Vidya, dana, tapa, satyam. Education, charity, penance, and truth are said to be the four legs of religion. And to learn this, there are four orders of life with different classifications of caste. Um, so the brahmacharis are supposed to support the leg of religion of vidya, education, and in the or cleanliness, shokcham, in Canto 1. Grihastas have dhanam, charity, and in Canto 1, daya, mercifulness. So mercifulness, charity, that's for the grihastas. Tapa is for the vanaprastas and satyam for the sannyasis. So that is uh, the purpose of grihasta life. One of the purposes is to uphold the religious principle of charity and mercifulness. Um, so there's a verse, What is when Yudhisthira was asked, what is the most wonderful thing? He said, that the most wonderful thing is that every day people see that everyone is dying, but they think, I will not die. So, um, in order to maintain their families, they commit sinful activities. Bhaktivinoda Thakur sings about this um, when he describes how Lord Chaitanya used to do Harinam in the morning, early in the morning. One of the verses says, You have achieved such a rare human life, but you do not care for this gift. You remain not serving the darling of Yashoda and slowly fall through your last moments to death. And then he says, with ever rising, with every rising and setting of the sun, a day passes and is lost. Then why do you mean idle not serve the Lord of the heart? So, as Gita says, Mrityu Savaharas Chaham, as death I take everything away. So better we voluntarily give now while we are alive. And 10th canto, chapter 22. Krishna says, Eta vajana masafayam dehinam ihadehishu pranar artatiyavajasheya acharanam sada. Is the duty of every living being to perform welfare activities for the benefit of others with his life, wealth, intelligence, and words. So, there are four things that we can give in charity, and first is your life. You can give your life for Krishna. Um, so you may say, well, you know, that's really, I can't do that. Okay, there's that's something else you can do uh, that is um, prana artha, you can give some money, donation. Prana artha dia, if you don't, if you think I don't have much enough money, then dia, give your intelligence. Give your help to organize things. And um, if you have no intelligence, then one last thing, vacha. Give your words, chant Hare Krishna, distribute books, um, preach. And so all of us can do something to help for the welfare of others. So instead of doing the four sinful activities, we eat prasad offered to Krishna. We have children for Krishna. 
and we get intoxicated with chanting Hare Krishna and we're gambling this life for Krishna, sacrificing this life. But real wealth is not money. What is spiritual wealth? What is the wealth of the brahmanas? Forgiveness. As um, Parashur, uh, Parashram's father was telling him, we are all brahmins and have become worshipable for people in general because of our quality of forgiveness. It is because of this quality that Lord Brahma, supreme spiritual master of this universe, has achieved his post. So there is another verse. Duty of the Brahmana is to culture the quality of forgiveness, which is illuminating like the sun. Supreme Personality of God Hari is pleased with those who are forgiving. That's also in ninth canto. So Chanaka Pandit says, The cuckoo bird, although very black, is beautiful because of its sweet voice. Similarly, a woman becomes beautiful by her chastity and faithfulness to her husband. An ugly person becomes beautiful when he becomes a learned scholar. In the same way, Brahmanas, Shatiyas, Vaishyas, and Shudas become beautiful by their qualities. Brahmanas are beautiful when they are forgiving. Shatiyas when they are heroic and never retreat from fighting. Vaishyas when they enrich cultural activities and protect house. And Shudas when they are faithful and discharge of duties pleasing to their masters. So we also have another spiritual wealth, and that is obeisances. Um, you can go to the ground, offer obeisances. And Sachinandan Swami says, when you offer obeisances, the mind goes down, the heart goes up. In bhakti, the heart is up, the mind is down. In material life, the mind is up and the heart is down. So obeisances means devotional feelings rule over the mind. There was a disciple of Lord Chaitanya, Devakinandan, he was actually, he committed offense to Shiva's Thakur, but later on he changed. And he's praying for forgiveness, and he's offering obeisances to all devotees, past and future, including those devotees who are devotees for only a short time, and those devotees who will become devotees in the future. So that's a lot of obeisances. Another, of course, the highest spiritual wealth is prema. Sachinan Swami again, he tells us how to get prema. You start with gratitude. Gratitude is the first stepping stone to the goal of prema. And the way to prema begins with gratitude. It prepares the heart for love. A soft heart will attract the soft queen of bhakti. So we have our obeisances. We have our wealth, sorry. We have our wealth uh, as Vaishnavas, uh, gratitude, obeisances, Vaishnav seva, humility, and these will open the door to Namaruchi. So if we chant Hare Krishna in this humble mood, calling out for Mother Radha's mercy, just like a child cries for her mother, then we will, she will take us to Krishna. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, at the end of his song, Mudilo Aruna, he says, Krishna nam surakoryapan Jurayopakati vinora pran Drink the pure nectar of the holy name. There is nothing else to be had in all the 14 worlds, and it has fulfilled the soul of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. 
So we heard about Lakshmi and how to use her properly. Uh, what happens if Krishna takes away our Lakshmi? In um, Canto 10, Chapter 88, verse 8. Krishna says, when I especially favor someone, I take away everything. I gradually deprive him of his wealth, and the relatives and friends of such a poverty-stricken man abandon him. In this way, he suffers one distress after another. So, in the purport, it says, Devotees of the Lord experience both happiness and distress, not as consequences of material work, and it's not karma, but as effects of their loving reciprocation with the Lord. Shirupa Goswami in Bhakti Samrita Sindhu explains how a Vaishnava is relieved of all karmic reactions, including those that have not yet begun to manifest, aparabta, those who are just about to manifest, kuta, those who are barely manifesting, bija, and those that have manifested fully, prarabta. As a lotus gradually loses its many petals, so a person who takes shelter of devotional service has all his karmic reactions destroyed. So, Prabhupada in Krishna book says, so let's see if this is from Krishna book, I think so. Um, a question may be raised. If the Supreme Lord is all powerful, why should he try to reform his devotee by putting him in distress? The answer is, that when the Supreme Personality of God puts his devotee in distress, it is not without purpose. Sometimes the purpose is that in distress the devotee's feelings of attachment to Krishna are magnified. That happens. For example, when Krishna, before leaving the capital of the Pandavas for his home, asked Kunti Devi for permission to leave, she said, My dear Krishna, in our distress, you were always present with us. Now, because we have been elevated to a royal position, you're leaving us. So, therefore, I prefer to live in distress than to lose you. So, when a devotee is put in a situation of distress, his devotional activities are accelerated. Therefore, to show special favor to a devotee, the Lord sometimes puts him into distress. Besides that, it stated, the sweetness of happiness is sweeter to those who have tasted bitterness. The Supreme Lord descends to this world just to protect his devotees from distress. So if, if devotees were not in a distressed condition, the Lord would not have come down. Moreover, the Vaishnava who enjoys such reciprocation with the Lord is in no danger of falling down into nations. So Yamaraj declares that, my dear servants, please, Bring to me only those sinful persons who do not use their tongues to chant the holy name and qualities of Krishna, whose hearts do not remember the lotus feet of Krishna even once, and who says do not bow down even once before Lord Krishna. Send me those who do not perform their duties toward Vishnu, which are the only duties in human life. Please bring me all such fools and rascals. So one time Srila Prabhupada was lecturing on this verse from Yamaraj in India, in Gorakhpur, 1971. 
And he, he was saying, Yamaraj will bring everyone who does not chant Hare Krishna. And then Prabhupada said, and Yamaraj will bring everyone who does not become a life member of ISKCON. The whole class became life members <laughs> of ISKCON. <laughs> this is in India. <laughs> they, they all were scared. Because <laughs> when a pure devotee says something, it must happen. The Prabhupada said that. <laughs> so they, they took it to their hearts. Um, uh, yeah. So this is uh, this is Shri Prabhupada. Now, uh, in the purport of that verse about Krishna taking everything, uh, the purport says the beloved devotees of the Lord do not regard as very troublesome the suffering He imposes on them. Indeed, they find in the end it gives rise to unlimited pleasure. So how how could suffering give rise to pleasure? Unlimited. Just as a stinging ointment applied by a physician cures his patient's infected eye. Suffering helps protect the confidentiality of devotional service by discouraging intrusions by the faithless. It also increases the eagerness with which devotees call upon the Lord to appear. So Vishnu Chakravati Thakur says, It is at night that the sunrise becomes attractive. During hot summer, cold water gives comfort. And during cold winter months, that warm water is pleasing. Lamplight appears attractive in darkness, not in the glaring light of day. And when one is distressed by hunger, food tastes especially good. In other words, to strengthen his devotee's mood of dependence on him and longing for him, the Lord arranges for his devotees to go through some suffering. And when he appears in order to deliver them, their gratitude and transcendental pleasure are boundless. It's described um, at the time of death. The, for the devotees, it's like a mother cat carrying the kitten to home. For the for the materialistic people, it's like the cat carrying a rat. So at the time of death, if if it's a rat in the mouth of a cat, he knows. Uh, he's going to die soon and finished. But for the devotee, in the mo mouth of Mother Kitten, the devotee's feeling, oh, okay, my mother's taking me home. And that you can see even during this life, sometimes we feel the teeth of the mother cat. Sometimes the kitten wants to go the wrong direction, which is not good for the kitten, maybe to a big river or to a fire. And the mother cat takes the kitten and takes her a different direction. So when something happens in our life, then we can see, okay, this is the hand of Krishna. Um, Bali Maharaj said, Only by providence have I been forcibly brought under your lotus feet and deprived of all my opulence. Because of the illusion created by temporary opulence, people in general who live under material conditions, facing accidental death at every moment, do not understand this life is temporary. Only by providence I have been saved from that condition. And Prahlad says, My Lord, it's your Lordship who gave Bali this very great opulence, the post of heavenly king, and now today it is you who have taken it all away. I think you have acted with equal beauty in both ways. Because his exalted position as king of heaven was putting him in darkness of ignorance, you have done him a very merciful favor by taking away all his opulence. So Gajendra also, he was, uh, we, were, we were just reading about Gajendra, king of the elephants, 
and uh, he was attacked by a crocodile in, in, the, in a lake. And then he remembered the prayers from his previous life. And he was so, Prabhupada says he was so eager to see the Supreme Lord. When he saw the Lord coming in the sky with great pain and a feeble voice, he offered respect to the Lord. A devotee does not consider a dangerous position to be dangerous, for in such a dangerous position he can fervently pray to the Lord in great ecstasy. Thus so a devotee regards danger as, good, as a good opportunity. When a devotee is in great danger, he sees danger to be the great mercy of the Lord because it's an opportunity to think of the Lord very sincerely with undiverted attention. He does not accuse the Lord for taking, letting his devotee fall into such a dangerous condition. Rather, he considers that dangerous condition to be due to his past misdeeds and takes it as an opportunity to pray to the Lord and offer thanks for having been given such an opportunity. So an amazing consciousness uh, of a pure devotee. When a devotee lives in this way, his salvation, going back home, back to Godhead, is guaranteed. So, and Prabhupada gives the example of Gajendra. He anxiously prayed to the Lord and received immediate chance to return home back to Godhead. So now Prabhupada talks about his personal experience. Prabhupada said, yes, he's quoting Krishna. That is my first business. If I especially favor someone, I take away all his sources of income and place him into great difficulty. Prabhupada says, in this way, Krishna is very dangerous. He says, I have actual experience in this connection. Um, I do not wish to narrate this whole story, but it is a fact. I received Krishna's special favor in this way. When I was 25 years old, my Guru Maharaj ordered me to preach. But I thought, oh, first of all, I'll become a rich man, then I'll use my money to finance the preaching work. I had good opportunities to become a very rich businessman. An astrologer even told me I should have become as rich as the wealthiest man in India. There were very good chances. I was a manager of a big chemical factory. I started my own factory, and the business was very successful, but eventually everything collapsed. And in this way, I was forced into the position of carrying out orders of my Guru Maharaj. When all my material assets were taken away, I approached Krishna, saying, You are the only shelter. Therefore, Krishna is a kinshin of ita, property of the materially impoverished. When one is bereft of all material opulence, one turns to Krishna. And now I am realizing I have not lost but gained. So if you lose your opulences for Krishna's sake, it's not a loss, but it's a gain. Um, Naratam Das Thakur, he says, Ha ha Prabhu Nanda Sutta, Vishapana Sutta Jutta, Karana Karoha Epar, Naratama Dasakar, Nathalila, Krishna, but for you, I have nothing. I have no possessions. You're my only possession. So please don't neglect me. So in this world, everyone wants these things, as we heard in the purport. And spiritualism means just the opposite. So people are not attracted to spiritualism. Prabhupada says, I was thinking when I was dreaming, Guru Maharaj is asking me to leave home. Uh, and I have to give up my family and become a sannyasi and, and follow my Guru Maharaj. No, no, this is horrible. Prabhupada said, I was thinking like that. But he forced me. He's so kind, he forced me. Somehow or other, that is mercy. 
I can understand now how merciful was my guru. He forced me to take this life. So we should always remember we possess this nice house not for our comfort, but people will come because they are not accustomed. If we would have invited people to come and sit down on Mayapur ground, no, no one would come. So we have to possess Krishna's temple very nice. So people will come and will preach. That is philosophy. Not that because we've got this nice house, we should be very attached. Attachment must be there for Krishna's service. The temple must be clean and uh, to attract devotees. This is the purpose. So he said, my Guru Maharaj introduced these big, big palaces, temples. That is the contribution of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. The Goswamis, they were worship Krishna in a different way. They were living on a different tree every night, not even the same tree. So, but Prabhupada said, this Vairagya is not possible for the Western people, so we need the buildings. He said, when I was reading this verse, yes, Yahamana Great Hamik, Krishna says, when I show someone my special favor, I take away all his money. And then Prabhupada is saying, Krishna will take all my money away? And he said, actually, that happened. He took all my money, family, friends, everything. And he asked me, go to America. You will get much money, many friends. Go ahead, go there. He said, and Prabhupada said, I was sticking to some limited money, limited friends, limited society. And then he went to America and he got everything. This is a special favor. So um, in Krishna book, uh, it's described also. Uh, Prabhupada says, Lord Krishna said to Yudhisthira, my devotee is not deterred by any adverse conditions of life. He always remains firm and steady. Therefore, I give myself to him and I favor him so he can achieve the highest success of life. So, if this mercy given by Krishna is described in some Sanskrit words in Bhagavatam 10th Canto, 80th chapter, verse 10, um, the mercy bestowed upon the tried devotee is described as Brahma which indicates the greatness of that mercy can be compared only to the all-pervasive greatness of Brahman. Brahma means unlimitedly great, unlimitedly expanding. That mercy is also described as Paramam. It has no comparison in this material. It's also called Sukshma, very fine. Not only is the Lord's mercy upon the Chai devotee great and unlimitedly expansive, it is of finest quality of transcendental love between devotee and the Lord. It is also chin matram, completely spiritual. No tinge of material qualities. Also called sat, eternal, and anantakam, unlimited. And so um, there was, um, Indudumrahash talks in his diary about one devotee, one man he met in one of the Muslim countries in Russia, Azerbaijan, or one of those. And, um, you know, he met this, he was a Muslim, he met the devotees, and the devotees convinced him to go to Vrindavan. So he came to Vrindavan, and he was very impressed and attracted. And uh, he prayed to Radharani, okay, uh, please take away all my obstacles to devotional service. So this man, he was a very rich man. As soon as he got back, he lost all of his business, <laughs> everything collapsed. And then he said, then later on, Maharaj came to visit that uh, city, and he saw this man. He said, so, now what are you doing? Uh, your business collapsed. And the man said, yeah, I, I made a, a smaller business now, and I have more time in my day, so I'm chanting 32 rounds a day. 
<laughs> so then, and he said, and I had a realization when I was worshiping Allah to get money, I got all the money, so much wealth. But then when I started worshiping Krishna, I lost all my money. But then I got Krishna's lotus feet. <laughs> so he was a very happy man. <laughs> he said, I have not lost, but I've gained. So this is a true story. And uh, yes, yeah. So when distress comes to us, while we're, our Lakshmi goes away, we can understand Krishna's being merciful to us, to bring us closer to him. And we need to see the hand of Krishna in all areas of our lives and pray to him so we can have the strength to continue to love him and serve him. So I will stop now, and if anybody has questions, we can take questions now. for such wonderful stories and pastimes about this topic. So how, you know, sometimes new people or I'm also a new person, like that fear is there that, oh, I should, if I start worshipping <laughs> Krishna, then because uh, even as Prabhupada said out of his humility, I don't want the money to be taken. So many new people have that concern that Krishna says, okay, I'll, I'll steal everything away. <laughs> Sarvas, <laughs> I'll steal everything away. So how do we understand? Is, is that the only way he shows mercy? Is complete mercy? by, or No, it's not the only way. It's just one way. Uh, but um, you should tell him, should tell the new people, yeah, he will take away your anxiety, depression, and <laughs> all these negative feelings. That would be the first thing. And as far as money goes, that is only for the advanced devotees. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> that is special mercy, but not everybody gets that special mercy. <laughs> it's, it's, if he especially favors someone, Krishna says. So I see a, a, lot, a lot of my godbrothers and god sisters before they join Krishna consciousness, that happened to them. One girl um, one of my god sisters, she was, um, she ha she lost all her possessions somehow, and she had one bag left with her clothes, and then she went swimming. This was in the hippie days. She went into the ocean without any clothes on, and then the ocean took her clothes also. So she had nothing, <laughs> completely nothing. Um, I guess somebody helped her get out, but um, yeah. So that happens to devotees. Uh, and I know that was when, in the old days, when we first joined, it was like that. The devotees, grihastas were the same as brahmacharis and sannyasis. We didn't have anything. Uh, we weren't supposed to have anything. They, they thought, you have to live in the temple with brahmacharis and just um, give up everything. And uh, if you had something, it, it would, you know, it would have to be used for the temple. Like, I remember the temple couldn't pay rent, so I saw, I sold, I was a cello player, and I had a, a valuable cello, and I sold that to pay the rent one, one month for the temple. And if somebody, I remember somebody was a member of a band, leader of a band of musicians, so the devotees came in a, in a pickup truck and took all of the mu instruments of the band when the devotee joined, <laughs> and then the band had no instruments. They just like it was. That was the old days. It's now it's completely different, quite different. 
you know, everybody lives outside. It's the opposite. Everyone lives outside, has a job, and uh, very few, not so many people in the temple. Before everybody, we were just the same, our houses were the same as brahmacharis in, in the early days that we'd, we had nothing. And then later on it started to, the grihastas started to m move outside, um, like that. But yeah, yeah, I know um, in one country, I think it's Malaysia, there's Tamil people and they have a superstition of worshipping Krishna. They're afraid to worship Krishna because of that reason you said. And they said, and especially if Krishna has a flute in his hands, don't worship him. <laughs> because if you hear that flute, you'll run away and, and run to Krishna. And yeah, that, I've heard that. I've heard that uh, from traveling. But yes, especially with the Tamil people. Uh, that's, that's a fear, a fear with them. But you can reassure them that don't worry, that's for the advanced devotee and you have a long way to go. <laughs> he, will, he will take away only the things that you really don't need, like your, your fear, your anxiety, or these things. Any other devotees have questions? Please feel free to ask at this point. Yes, when, when someone is uh, not having a good behavior and that even the thought anger is giving me the feeling of falling down, how can I overcome? So another person is being angry with you or you're, you're feeling anger? You're feeling anger, oh, okay. Me? Yeah, you're feeling anger or the I'm other person? Anger. You are feeling anger. Other other person, other person's behavior make me feel angry. Yeah, okay, okay. And that feeling of anger is also giving me a, a kind of feeling that I'm falling down. I should not Yeah, have that's true. Anger. How to overcome. Yeah, anger is a mode of ignorance. So it, it, definitely you fall into the mode of ignorance when you feel angry. And it can cause disease also. If you hold that anger, you keep it. Then you can get disease. So there's only one way, which uh, Bhishma Dev also says in Srimad Bhagavatam, how to counteract anger. And I mentioned it in today's class too. Uh, you, have, you have to practice forgiveness. Um, so you have to forgive that person. Not only forgive, forgiveness means to pray for all good things to come to that person. Pray for, pray for that person. So that person gets, Krishna is very kind, very merciful, and Krishna will give that person um, all good things. And um, otherwise, if you keep anger, and you, it become, it can, there's a, a book which describes what causes diseases, what mental, what mental state of yours will cause it, it, which disease. So if you keep anger and resentment, you, you will get cancer. That's the cause of cancer, mental cause. Mental cause of cancer is if you ha keep the anger and resentment inside. So definitely every day we have to practice forgiveness because there's always somebody who's going to give us trouble. 
It's, we're living in the material world. We can't avoid it. And you have to forgive them before they do it, <laughs> actually. Uh, but no, forgiveness, that, uh, as we said today, and we are Vaishnavas, so we are practicing to be Brahmanas and develop the good qualities. So we do have to practice forgiveness. Um, that is a fact. But we should not tolerate abuse at the same time. If somebody is abusing you, then that should not be tolerated. But the way to counteract that is to, uh, it, um, most, well, you can pray for that person, of course. Um, but uh, direct contact may not be the best way. Better, better to avoid that person, if possible, and uh, also ask help from the friends of that person or authorities of that person, um, like that. Usually, if, if it's, there's one person who's giving you trouble, then uh, we cannot do much um, in relationship with that person. Except pray, of course. Prayer is always there. And that can change. That can change things. If you send uh, positive, good, positive feelings to that person, they will feel it. They will feel it. Hare Krishna. Nanda Mataji has a question or a Thank you, Mataji. Thank you, Prabhu. Such a wonderful class, Mataji. Uh, I have uh, really well balanced. I have one comment, which is uh, 888 is also considered very lucky in Chinese calendar. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the Singapore Feng Shui, they made money using some, something like that. Oh, yeah. And that's why Beijing Olympics started on 888 August uh -huh. uh, 2008. <clears throat> so I wanted to ask you, how do we understand that some people who dis do not worship Vishnu or Lakshmi or even Jesus and they have loads of money forever, mm. like Buffett's and yeah. Bill Gates, how do we understand that? Like to answer uh, some um, newcomers question. Yeah, exactly. Um, these people who are very, very rich, they did a lot of, they have a lot of good karma from previous life, but it will finish. Like, it, it, they have some really good karma, and if they use it properly, then it will not be finished. Just like Ambrish, our Ambrish, Henry Ford, um, Ford, maybe he's not Henry Ford, Alfred Ford. Uh, he's using it properly. It will not finish. It will increase um, life after life. Of course, he probably won't stay here or go back to Godhead. But um, <laughs> now these other people, uh, they are, um, if, if they use it and make offenses to devotees, if they do that, then it will fin their life will finish very soon. Everything will be lost. And uh, especially if they offend devotees. And uh, so, yeah, it's temporary. It's very temporary. But they did, I mean, the fact is that they did some good work in their previous life, and therefore, in this life, they have money. It's not from this life. It's not from this life. Um, my, my son was telling me one example from YouTube. There is this one 18-year-old one man. He um, decided to make a video of himself counting from 1 to 100,000. 
and he got millions, 25 million views, so YouTube paying him millions of dollars. If you, if you, I didn't know that. <laughs> so then he's making all these different kinds of videos, like stupid videos, to make millions of dollars. But it's not because of what he did in this life. How can an 18-year-old get millions of dollars from nothing? You know, he, he did something from previous life. So now he got so much money, or winning the lottery, or all these things. Nothing is by chance. But the karma is there. We're, you know, we're seeing a film like a movie of this life, but we're not coming in at the beginning of the movie. We're coming in in the middle. We didn't see what happened before. You know, how this person did, you know, some good deeds, gave money away to many people, whatever. He, he did some welfare work, and now he's being rewarded in this life. And of course, um, people think, oh yeah, he did his, this 18-year-old, he did his work to get that millions of dollars. Uh, what work did he do? You know, count from one to 100,000. <laughs> it's like, um, <laughs> and then he has other stupid videos too uh, that people, millions of people watch <laughs> for some stupid reason. Uh, but yeah, anyway, it is definitely, you know, due to some past. Like, I think this these people who made the computers... Um, like Bill Gates or one of them, they started in a garage of their family. I heard they weren't good in school, in high school, so they didn't go to college even, and, and they were just making these computers. So, and the fact, in the garage of their f families, and then uh, they, they're, they're millionaires. But it's, it doesn't, it's not logical, you know, that you're going to get millions of dollars like this. But, so, previous life, we're coming in the middle of the movie, we didn't see what happened before and before. And we're not seeing what's going to happen after either <laughs> to these people um, when everything is finished. Because when, when they leave this world, they will have nothing. And all the millions will be taken from them. And then what are they going to do? And they will be punished for misusing everything. Um, and devotees, we will go with our ticket back to Godhead. We will have our ticket purchased to go back to Godhead. Because we have actually used our life uh, in, for the purpose that it was given us. Uh, the purpose to, to use it for Krishna's service. Mataji, you are mute. Thank you very nice. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Krishna. Anyone else has any other questions or comments? Yeah, I have one question. Uh, yes, yes, please. <clears throat> Hare Krishna, Mataji. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, just to follow, just to follow up on the previous question. Okay. People like, yeah, just following up on the previous question. Yes. Uh, people like Bill Gates and uh, Warren Buffett and so on, uh, they're they're doing philanthropic work, which is helping people around the world. So that doesn't count for anything. Um, well, that counts, that counts, um, but some people feel that what they call philanthropic work is not helping people but hurting people. Um, like in India, they were giving these free vaccines to um, India, uh, polio to the babies, so 55,000 of those babies became paralyzed because of those vaccines. So, um, yeah, 
And then, it, so, I mean, whether or not it's good what they're doing or not good, we don't know. Although it, they wanted to make it look good. That they're, but um, time will tell whether this, what, it, what this philanthropic, what is the result? We have to judge by the result of this work. That what will be the result? Thank you, Martha. In that connection, like distribution of food, and then people distribute meat and eggs. Yeah, exactly. Also, same fall in the same. Yeah, that's true. They think, oh, this is good. If they eat meat, we will give it free. And then the poor cows are being killed, and the sheep, and whatever. So, yeah, who will who will judge if this is good or bad? Yeah, Mirage. <laughs> Mirage will judge. Thank you. I think Amsilastro has a question, bro. Please go ahead. Hare Krishna. Uh, Mataji, wonderful class. So insightful. Uh, my question is, um, how much money should we save for our children? I, I know uh, the point that we cannot <laughs> take anything when we, uh, when we leave the body, but then um, for our children's education, there are plans such as 529 plans that uh, folks put in money so that uh, the children can go to college. Um, should we plan for that or, um, or no uh, in Krishna consciousness? Yeah, um, I took the um, Grihastha Vision course. There was a course, and one of the classes was about budget and how to use your money for Krishna. And they gave, you know, one of the things that was very important was education for your children. That was like something you have to save for. Uh, edu even ed education for yourselves. If you want to improve yourselves, you have to put aside money for that. Yeah, that's very, very important. You don't just um, forget your children. That That's part of the budget that they have. And then they had uh, for giving and charity like 5 to 15% of your profit, like your actual income, not of, you know, just everything, but of, of, they would say of after you've put aside for education and what you, and I think you have to put aside for marriage for Indian people, maybe <clears throat> for the dowry, whatever, for the girls. <clears throat> after that, after you put aside things, then you give what's left, what, anything extra. Yeah, there's yeah. You, that's that's considered. That's important. You have to do that. You have to put aside for your children's education. Very very important. Thank you very much, Mataji. A very practical example. Just a comment on that. There is a one devotee who did like seminar, five series seminars on this topic oh. of a, of. A, Managing personal finance for devotees. Oh. I encourage everyone to see those. They're very practical and talk about all these topics, housing, car, savings, where to save, where not to save, donations, charity, the mood, etc. Very practical and uh, relevant in this day and age. Mm -hmm. So, And His Holiness Jayadwit Swami Maharaj was present on those seminars. He was personally overseeing those. So it's, it's very 
Okay. Yeah. Any other? Yes. Yes, my question, please. No, that's. Any other last comments or questions? <coughs> okay. So I think Mataji has a, another <coughs> class also in some yeah. time. So, yeah. but we want to express our deep gratitude to her Grace Narayani Mataji for sharing her uh, realizations and spiritual wisdom from so many different scriptures and uh, the number eight. And I was thinking that the Lakshmiji appears at the eighth number in the order of the items appearing, like Surabhi and Jain, oh, etc. Yeah. She appears at the eighth count. <laughs> of course, everything is eight. <laughs> so, so let's express our deep gratitude to Her Grace Narayani Mataji by three times loudly chanting <laughs> Hari Grace Narayani Mataji Ki Chai Jai Gantra Shriman Bhagavatam Ki Chai Shri Lakshmi Devi Ki Chai 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 Chai